you know, I have this uh, amazing group of in, you know, 14 fellows inside the female tech fellowship. And uh, I hope that we'll be able to invest in some of them because they have like amazing uh, track records. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, I just want to make them more visible. everyone and welcome to the EdTech podcast where our mission is to improve the dialogue between ed and tech for better innovation and impact and thanks as always to anyone who sent kind words about listening into the podcast. Today as I record this introduction it is International Women's Day so what better day to release this first episode from our new series with the Female EdTech Fellowship a collaboration between the European EdTech Alliance and Supercharger Ventures to support the growth of the most promising female founders in Europe. In this first episode, I'm in conversation with Beth Havinga and Svenja Busson of the European EdTech Alliance about female-led EdTech innovation. We talk about the hopes of the fellowship and a new investment fund that Svenja will be leading on. With my own female entrepreneur work trip hat on, I've started this week at the Set Squared Accelerator, and this felt a huge privilege given the closing down of opportunities elsewhere in the world. I've been applying for grants, jumping into angel investor conversations, and juggling customer briefs, and my brain is definitely in learning mode, for which I am very grateful. In other news, if you're in the UK this month, do come and see the EdTech podcast at BET. I'll be in conversation with David Price OBE, author of Power of Us, and Valerie Hannon, author of Thrive on Employability and Skills. Come along and watch the recording live if you're around on Friday the 25th of March at the Teaching and Learning Theatre. And as always, the recording will be released after the event on the podcast feed, along with more episodes around skills, including esports and learning in the workplace. Okay. Let's jump straight into this episode with Svenja and Beth. Here we go. So I am very excited. Um, We have got a new series coming out on the EdTech podcast and it is looking specifically at some of the fantastic innovation coming out from female-led businesses and startups um, who are part of the EdTech Fellowship. So really excited about that partnership and surfacing some of the great innovation that's happening. I think we've got episodes across science, technology, engineering and maths and of course the arts, uh, but also corporate learning and uh, everything else in between. Um, To kick off the series, I'm joined here today by Svenja Busson and Beth Havinga um, from the EdTech Fellowship and European EdTech Alliance. And today is talking about why it is necessary to really uh, put a spotlight on female entrepreneurship in this area and also to to talk about some of the inherent issues that still exist today and also what's being done about them. So Svenja and Beth, uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, as we record this, it is my birthday. And so I feel very excited that we are having such a an important chat. But also, um, you know, you can uh, think of better people to, to connect with on this special day of mine. To kick off, uh, let's talk a little bit about what the current situation looks like. You know, there is so much information about the edtech sector. And obviously, it's sort of exploded, especially in the last couple of years. Um, but what's missing 
I, I can start really quickly. I think one of the scariest facts that um, we've come across in the past little while is just how little is being invested in females in general, but then also especially females in ed tech. So in general, we're within Europe at least, we're looking at about only 16% of all um, investments at all going to female-led or co-led uh, innovations. And then when we extrapolate that out to ed tech, we're talking about a minute percentage of uh, the amount of female-led uh, initiatives. And I think that's part of a, a bigger problem. There's a lot of bias in terms of women being perceived as not being strong. There's a number of instances that we've heard of, of investors starting to ask if the founders are planning a family soon or whether they're going to actually see this through, if they're going to have to jump out as soon as their husband or partner needs to have extra support at home. Things that I doubt very much are going to be asked of the male colleagues uh, within that industry. So I think it's, it's an inherent problem in that regard. It's also a bias from the investor perspective. Um, one thing that there's been a lot of research on is how females are perceived and there's a lot of things about pitches and um, a project that was looking into how pitches were received by investors saw that uh, about 68 to 84% of the time, the investors would choose the male voiceover of the pitch versus the female voiceover. So what is that saying about what happens to those females in their pitches? And I think that's something that to start with is a, a really key thing we need to look at. And do you get a sense of how edtech shapes up versus other sectors, say like fintech or health tech in terms of investment in female-led businesses? I can talk about this because I'm right now writing a short study about how edtech funds and more generalistic funds um, in Europe invest in female-led startups. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 no better than uh, than the other sectors, I'm afraid. Uh, you know, slightly better, but um, but yeah, we, we're still very far away from that um, from the ideal that we have. And and Beth uh, talked about the 16 percent, 16 percent of all funding but when we look at VC specifically VC funding um, in total in Europe only 1.3% of VC funding goes to women uh, co-founded or founded startups in general not just at tech but it's generalistic and I think it's super scary <laughs> so um, so yeah and 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 you know when you also look at Tolmyq's latest study on the women you know CEOs, it's just like crazy when you look at the top 800 companies worldwide, you have only 13% of them that are being led by, you know, female CEOs. Um, and, um, and yeah, that, that, that causes a huge problem because at the same time, you have 70% of the world's primary school teachers who are women. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it's problematic in terms of who creates the products and who uses yeah, I mean, um, that's something I was going to bring up. Like, that is the irony that, you know, certainly uh, at the teacher level and as with lots of other sectors, the higher up you go, then it starts to become more male dominated. But certainly at the teacher level and lots of the end users of these products are female. And so what does that mean in terms of the sort of flow of money into innovation? And, you know, what are we missing essentially? 
So if I can jump in, I think um, it's 68% of all users in all schools that are female and about 85% in um, primary schools. And this is extremely difficult because a lot of the um, teachers, especially up to sort of the age eight or nine, understand that females and males learn differently. Um, there are just those different um, trends towards learning. Females learn a lot more easily with a very um, strong narrative focus, whereas um, males do not necessarily. Of course, there's exceptions. But um, if you then, as a developer, as an innovator, come to developing a product with the ideas that you've brought with you from your own journey in learning, your own experiences in learning, you're going to be inherently including some biases in your product that you may not even realize are there, but that are excluding other learning types from proceeding on a path that they may need to be on. And for me, that becomes really problematic when we're looking at the primary school level and we're looking at the STEM subjects. Um, predominantly, yeah. the, they're male-led innovations. There's very few female-led STEM products that are or that have a very wide range, unfortunately, at the moment. So that means we're looking at a learning type that has been predominantly led by one gender, um, being implemented by a different gender and being then learned by a different gender. And I think that there is a correlation between some of the statistics we see in terms of um, the engagement or student engagement at that younger level and the types of products that are being created for them. And there's no fault necessarily to the innovator, but at the same time, um, we really need to be critically looking at what kind of inherent biases there can be in products and how we can then um, resolve to change. I thought your point earlier was really interesting. Within a company now, there are pretty, you know, if you're employed, essentially, there are pretty rigorous HR laws and regulation. And of course, it can be improved um, to sort of protect you from some of these issues you know I'd be interested to take your view on whether in the land of entrepreneurship whether there's the same protection from some of the excesses of experiences that can derail potentially some really fantastic innovation from landing um, so I yeah I just I just wondered what your take on that was and you know here in in the UK there was um, the Rose Review I think which looked at entrepreneurship generally for for female-led businesses and it was quite critical of the sort of the perceived notion of what it is to be in a startup the hours the obsession the drive you know and it is there is quite a sort of almost homogenous idea of what what that is I think for me there's no safeguards um, and that's one of the reasons why there are so many ground roots organizations solely focused on supporting women in tech in general, and then women in ed tech. So when I was a founder myself, and I was pitching some of the best support I ever had when I was in the States, especially was through some of the women in tech organizations. That was where I found the best contacts. That was where I got in front of the best investors. And a lot of the women there also said they are solely focused on trying to support other women because they understand what a challenge it can be. Um, so it's exciting that those exist, but they're not, there's not a lot of them. <laughs> and um, there are no checks and balances in terms of how to protect um, the women in, in that environment or how to support them better. The VCs, the investors, they will decide 
the way they want to go based on their own understanding and interpretation of what they've seen and heard. And as we've heard before, a lot of that is then um, also or has an underlying bias in terms of being um, skewed towards the the sort of male voice, at least, according to that one study. So mm-hmm. it's it's difficult. And I think um, there is always that comparison um, towards the the other sort of side. Yeah, and there's also no lack of female founders. I mean, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you know, they, they attracts women and men equally. And when you look at, for example, you know, at Tech France, we have, you know, a, a very fair share of women founders, but the but the percentage of startups making it, you know, making it past post-seed um, stage, um, you know, you, you have a look at it and you, you realize that um, women-led startups do not pick up like um, men-led startups because they don't get the same amount of, uh, of support uh, and they don't have the same codes. Um, and I, that's why also, you know, we wanted to create the support system with the female ethic fellowship and make sure that um, you know female CEOs come together and share their best practices and make sure that they can help each other uh, through hardships. Um, so it's a six months program where we have 14 fellows coming in uh, twice a month and sharing, you know, um, and 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 you know helping each other. And I think that's very important, the peer-to-peer aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, um, from my own point of view, um, I came out of lockdown and attended a um, an event for uh, technology engineering and creativity. So it's called Tech Women. So usually you might feel sort of heaviness on your shoulders when you attend some of these things. It's hard. It's hard to describe, perhaps, if if you are like the normal person in the room. But if you're not, um, it you know, when you go into a room of people that are very much like you are coming from the the ability to talk openly the the ability to build that trust pretty quickly um was so powerful and actually after attending a couple of these um was was definitely a catalyst to me starting my own business so i i I completely um love what you're doing and we can talk a little bit more um in a minute about you know what you're backing that up with as well which is really exciting but just to talk a little bit about why this is happening you know are women seen as more risky do you think because I've seen some of the comments that which are extremely frustrating when people say this isn't fair you know why are you supporting women you should be supporting all entrepreneurs and it's like well hang on there's a problem here and if you're an entrepreneur that's what you do you go out you look at problems and you say well how can I make it better Um, but I just love to think a little bit about you know why hasn't this improved already so hmm. <laughs> I think because the same problems, not only in entrepreneurship, but also in the general workforce, women of a certain age still have to contend with the notion that they can't juggle a family life and a career. The notion, however sexist or biased, that they will be the ones to drop their work should their partner need to spend more time focusing on their job. And I think these are things where it's it's bad enough within the general industry um, where women are asked a job interviews, whether they're planning a family, where, you know, people take one look at a pregnant stomach and say, well, that's a career ender. Um, And then if you take that out into investments, into entrepreneurs, that's somebody else's money then. 
that they're saying, do I take this extra risk on top? However, and I think this is really interesting, um, there's also statistics on the fact that women-led products earn more um, than male-led products and quite a bit. So it's like 31 cents per dollar invested is what a male product earns versus almost 90 cents per dollar. So there's a lot of research backing up the fact that female-led innovations are worth it (laughs) and you should get behind them. Um, But then we have that disparity between what's actually occurring and then um, those really exciting numbers that we see. But back to the question, it's a general societal issue that we're seeing then at a larger scale. And I presume that some of that is based on the fact that this is somebody's own money or their fund's own money that they're having to invest. And so if they, part of their entire job is balancing risk. And if that comes into that factor, then um, you've got that. And it's it's even worse than obviously for minority women um, if, if in any kinds of minorities. And I think that's something else we need to then address. Yeah, and that's the. It's also the question of who invests. I mean, when you look at um, the largest, at, at least the largest VC funds in Europe, at tech, non at tech, you see that they are, you know, um, um, they are male led, and so obviously, you know, they they invest in in people like them, um, and I think it's also. And it's it's not not to blame them, and most of them are doing an amazing job. But it's just like you know having the sense of you invest in people who you know who are like you. And uh, mm-hmm. when you look at female-led um, funds, and I'm thinking of Rubio Ventures in the Netherlands, for example, um, led by you know very strong women. They they of course they tend to invest in people who are you know uh, like them too. So it's it's just that we need more diversity. That's it. We just need more diversity within investment teams and um, we need um, you know women men diversity but also minority diversity that's for sure because you 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 tend to go and that's completely natural so I'm not blaming anyone but you tend to go towards people who are like you um, and um, and who are in your in your space in your network uh, close to you so um, so I definitely think diversity in, in VC funds is is absolutely you know a key a key topic. The other thing that you mentioned, um, Beth, about pregnancy, and it made me think like one of my absolute um, favorite female uh, entrepreneurs is um, Rachel Corson from Guild Education. And I can't remember exactly which way around it was, but it was something like she 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 raised a significant amount of money Um it was either when she was pregnant with twins or just after she'd had them, like very soon after. And, um, you know, it, yeah, it's um, I think it's fantastic. I think exactly what you said, more diversity begets more creative innovation. So, so yeah, let's find out a little bit more about um, the EdTech Fellowship. So we've got all of the brilliant entrepreneurs that you've pulled together coming up on the podcast. But um, I think you've got a bit of an announcement around the actual kind of funding mechanics of that as well, haven't you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy and thrilled to be joining a VC fund. Um, so I'll be... I'll- 
be an investor. Um, and uh, I, I'll, you know, I have this uh, amazing group of in you know 14 fellows inside the Female Ed Tech Fellowship, and uh, I hope that we'll be able to invest in some of them because they have like amazing uh, track records. Um, so yeah, I just you know I just want to make them more visible because women um, CEOs, women that startups exist. There are some of them doing amazing jobs, but investors don't look hard enough, in my opinion, um, because you know they're not they 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 don't talk about themselves that often they they you know they're more in, in stealth mode it's harder to find them because they're less visible than men uh, and you know also recently I've, I've started you know doing some pitch trainings to help uh, female founders who are currently fundraising to pitch to an investor and you know I, I was shocked because you know when I when I receive a male um, founded teams here uh, the attitude the attitude is completely different they can sell themselves so much more easily and they don't they're not scared of you know, of, of, of selling themselves. And I think, you know, women tend to be, you know, more reserved on that and they don't really tend to oversell themselves and they're not that overconfident neither. Um, but, you know, numbers speaks for them and the rest mm-hmm. speaks for them. So I'm just also helping, um, you know, so, some founders to gain a bit of, of self-confidence and 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 uh, just play the game because it's, it's a game. It's really interesting on that front because I've always felt that the kind of ecosystem around pitching and um, investment is very kind of homogenous like there's a way and this is the way and this is the environment and there's an imbalance in you know who you're pitching to that's both financial but then in this case also a sort of um, power imbalance on other levels as well but so do you think there's room for a kind of slight reinvention of that or a um you know a more creative way of doing that as well um I was just yeah interested to know you know it's a very formulaic way isn't it and and you know possibly that's brilliant because it's very efficient and everyone knows what they're dealing with but I I've always felt that sometimes when you have these very certain structures you, you know I think people have become more aware for example in recent years about the power of introverts and the power of people that aren't that alpha character but bring loads to the table and I've just always thought with like your traditional boardroom setup or xyz you know is is there room to broaden that as well and and what what would that look like it's an excellent question, uh, but I think as long as the investor side is not more creative and it's not going to be that easy because right now there's a mold and you have to fit in the mold. Um, and if we don't, you know, change the shape of that mold, we're not, we're not. I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna be really complex. So. Um, so yeah, but there are some you know some extremely open-minded VCs um, who are, who are you know doing things differently. But I think most most of them uh, are still quite um, quite traditional on that. I think though as well the pitch and things like that they are extremely formulaic. But it's it's just that first impression. So I think after that, of course, there are more discussions at greater length, and you do have the ability to get to know the people better if you pass through that first impression. But I think. Um, we 
kind of work our first impressions no matter what environment we're in either it's the clothes we're wearing the way we're made up the way that um we we enter a room I think all of us have been working on those different kind of formulas as well for most of our adult lives or even before um they're formulaic as well I think some of them we won't be able to change um what I hope we can change is as Svenja was saying before the ability to recognize and notice the women in the room and from that respect as well, helping them get that, that notice and then the ability to have real conversations um, following that that aren't solely focused on how we're ever going to juggle our career and our families. Um, and I think those are the things that we'd like to focus on. Building on what Spenya said as well, some of the conversations we've been having with the initial cohort have just been really eye-opening as well in terms of what support we need to be providing uh, our female founders. Things just as simple as how do we get rid of team members that are dead weight or that aren't helping us achieve our goals? A lot of times you'll find the male counterparts just are a bit more ruthless in that capacity and can just say, not working, we need to get there cut whereas the women go did I make a mistake can I try and fix it can I help them can I heal them <laughs> and I think these are conversations where again we we need to be a little bit more strict with ourselves and help the founders understand as well that we can focus solely on the business if that's our goal that we can then have that as our best interest and um, learn to sort of put the other feelings aside however in so saying I think a lot of the female-led innovations are so productive and are so amazing in terms of the atmosphere of the working groups because they have that other perspective and that other sort of side of empathy included in the, the makeup of the entire organization. Fantastic. So I was going to ask about what other pockets of success have you seen? So who is investing in female startups and supporting them? Which amazing mentors, investors and entrepreneurs are saying enough is enough? But we, we kind of talked a little bit about what you're doing, but you know, are there any other people that you'd like to kind of give a shout out to? Yeah, I'd I'd love to, you know, give a shout out to um, Emerge Education um, because, you know, I'm doing this little study of, you know, who uh, who are the, the, the VC funds are investing most in edtech female-led startups. And actually Emerge, like, you know, fully male team. <laughs> I'm talking about the investment team. But, you know, they have like at least a 50-50, almost a 50-50 balance. And, um, yeah. and so, you know, it... There are some so there are some great examples of, of, of funds that are that are doing this you know uh, and um, obviously edu capital you know female led VC fund um, that also invests a lot a lot in, in, in women Rubio Ventures in the Netherlands I talked about it uh, amazing team um, so yeah these three I would like to uh, give a, give a shout out to yeah. wonderful thank you uh, Beth how about yourself anyone else that you'd like to signpost <laughs> sadly at the moment not so much I think um there's a number of leaders especially in the women in tech field going back decades now that have been really strongly advocating and for me Jenny Fielding comes into that um and then in terms of the states as well there's uh, I think a lot of the a lot of the people who at least I've been um, in pitches with or talked to at New Schools Fund as well, Venture Fund, has, have always um, been very strongly focused on supporting that parity between um, the organisations. Just going back to that 
uh, pushback of, you know, how come you're just supporting female entrepreneurs? Uh, uh, there's a there's a really wonderful woman called Cindy Gallup who comes from the advertising space. I don't know if you've come across her work, but she has a keen use of expletives. But anyway, um, in, in retaliation to all of this, because you're just like, well, you know, if things were moving, fine, but you have to have your targets and you have to, you know, have a real goal and, and, and put yourself behind that. Yeah, just being really clear on you know, what you want. And I I, I just think um, going back to some of those pitch structures, I almost wonder, you know, do we get to a point where is it more of an equal playing field if you have a balanced number of males and females in the room, say? Or, you know, because think of the power, the power dynamics would change if you, you know, if you could bring together um, two female investors, two male investors, you know, suddenly it would feel quite different. Um, so anyway, I don't know whether we'll see anything that that specific, but um, it is interesting to think about. Um, it, I think it, it would change some things about the dynamics, but at the same time, and this is what I hope we can also address really strongly with the um, the fellowship, there are still so many learned behaviors that we would be working with that it may not change enough. I think it is it's also really important that we, start looking at those um, dynamics also within ourselves as Svenja is doing with working on um, the necessary aggression or um, arrogance to be able to sort of pitch in, in the right way or the ability to um, focus on some of the management skills that, that you might need um, to bring those other aspects into it as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Finally, I've just got here any resources in this space. So um, I actually was having a conversation with a female a CEO a couple of weeks ago and, and she said, oh, you should check out this book called Brotopia. Have you have you read that? It's like an expose of um, sort of Silicon Valley um, being a utopia for innovation, but basically if you're a male, um, by a lady called Emily Chang and she interviews a lot of top female execs. And, um, you know, again, this isn't about sort of saying... Um, men are terrible and and we should not have male-led innovation it's just about saying like let's open it up and make it a bit more uh, interesting for everyone to get involved yeah so if people are um interested in they want to come and pitch to this uh innovation fund that essentially is um supporting female-led innovation and others uh, what should they do where should they go how should they connect with what you're doing so first of all, they should apply on edtechfellowship.eu and they should, you know, reach out on LinkedIn, definitely. Um, the uh, We'll put the link uh, in the podcast uh, description. But um, yeah, our next cohort starts in July. So, uh, And what kind of stage of startup are you looking for? So we're mostly looking for post-seed um, growth stage. Yeah, yeah. And you were saying you were getting a lot of interest in early stage support. <laughs> yes, a lot of, you know, a lot of very early stage, pre-seed, seed stage startups uh, come to us. And obviously they also need support. Uh, but um, but yeah, we also might have a specific program for them. Um, but for now, we're focusing on, on post-seed growth stage. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing some of the startups that you're working with and their innovations. And uh, yeah, I think it's absolutely fantastic. So well done for pulling it all together as well. Thank you. Have a good day. Have a good day, both of you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
that's all for this week's podcast episode a huge thank you to our guests and to the team at supercharger ventures we'll be back soon with another episode on school digital strategies with claudia raidmaker vp co-founder and cmo at dugger madeline wolf the founder and ceo at vision U, and kadri tuisk founder and ceo at clanbeat If you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to rate and review or share with a friend. And you can also drop us a voice note for inclusion in the next episode with your comments on what you thought or any ideas that the episode may have sparked in your head. So take care, everyone. Have a good week. Bye bye.